Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. Welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Index on the Anfield Index Podcast Network. I'm your host, Matt Topolsky, and as always, I am joined by my color commentator and co-host, Mo Chatra. Mo, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing very, very good, Matt. Um, Well, as good as a Liverpool fan can be these days, but um, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. yourself? My God, as good as a Liverpool fan can be doing these days. (laughs) <laughs> what 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 has happened to us? You know, Norwich at home, and, and we're happy with a draw because we've seen progress. Yeah, we're actually having shots at goal, um, yeah. so that makes for a refreshing change. Um, that's a novel concept. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, pretty dreary um, to say the least. And uh, even against Norwich, we made hard work of it against a team that really will struggle this season. So, if that's our level, then it's scary to think. Um, what further nightmares lay ahead. It's a really depressing prospect. And uh, the only way I can see us having any kind of upturn in fortunes is to have a change of manager. But that's um, a well-trodden path in terms of discussion on the uh, AI channel, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good times, but let's hope that good times are... Round the corner and fairly soon. Yeah, well, you know, I, I look at FSG as, as sort of like the authority. You know, we, we can we we and with the authority, you can never quite tell are they heel or are they face. But with uh, with Fenway, I think we know uh, which way they're leaning. So, so does that make um, Brendan Rodgers? I don't know, Kane or someone. Well, um, does it make him Seth Rollins? You know, that's that's really the question because here's a guy that. Um, you know, manage talent. Yeah, I, I get that. <laughs> I get that. But but Brendan continues to somehow, some way, manage to hang on to this job. The way Seth somehow, some way, manages to continue to hang on to the WWE Championship. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a fascinating comparison. But um, I know one way that FSG can make a face turn real quick. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? Then? Well, we'll 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 see if they um if they future endeavor him, but. Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I think increasing uh, percentage of the fan base would like that. But yeah, uh, well, let's watch this space. Yeah, well, that's a conversation for another podcast. But we're going to talk about the world of sports entertainment. So let's pivot from the pitch 
to the squared circle night of champions took place Sunday night from my hometown in Houston. I unfortunately did not get to attend the event, but Brad Gilmore was backstage kicking it with some of the celebrities, including one rapper Wale. Um, so happy belated birthday to Wale. And, um, he had a great time. I had a great time watching at home, but um, that's neither here nor there. It was a good show. Overall, what would you give this show if you're giving it a letter grade, Mo, before we get into the matches? I would be minus. Um, it was veering on the good the aspects of the show, which were pretty good, uh, but it never really swung into top gear. And um, there were certain aspects of it also which I wasn't too keen on. And uh, we'll come on to that later on. But, uh, yeah, overall, I can't say it was a bad show by any means. And uh, overall, I thought it was good. Okay. Well, let's start with the kickoff show. The Cosmic Wasteland getting the victory, as I accurately predicted they would. But does it matter? No. (laughs) That's the simple answer. Um, Yeah, as we talked about on the preview show last week, it was pretty much a throwaway throwaway match. And um, it was there just to give a warm-up to the traditional pre-show um, that now takes place in between all the talking to hype up the event. And, um, yeah, it was it was a, an okay match, I guess. Um, and you'd expect that with Neville and the Lucha Dragons being involved. And uh, the finish saw Neville... Um, sorry, get involved um, with uh, move off the top rope and Stardust... Um, through Victor into Neville and Stardust used the finisher um, to finish the contest. Uh, it's a little bit of a surprise. I thought Neville would come out with um, the win, but uh, wasn't to be. What were your thoughts? Well, you know, I'm kind of like, eh. You know, I really my, my, my question for this whole thing is, is what do they do with Neville? What the hell are they going to do with Neville? I, I almost see a scenario where he returns to NXT, to be honest. Yeah, it seems like they're out of ideas already, which is a bit scary because when he came in, um, they were giving him a very good push. They were putting him in there against a lot of the top guys. and uh, He had a a great match with Seth Rollins for the title on Raw. He did, yeah. That was one of the best Raw matches this year. And that's in a year where Raw has had a lot of really, really good matches. Um, So that really stood out. And uh, it really seemed like they wanted to do some special things with uh, Neville, but that just not, that hasn't happened. It hasn't materialized for him. And uh, he's just treading water at this stage. And it's really disappointing because he's shown glimpses of a really, really, really top talent. And um, there have been times when I've said that he's perhaps, you know, the best workers have come out of this country um, of the modern era. I mean, I've even drawn comparisons between him and the, legendary dynamite kid he's just a fantastic athlete and uh i think wwe can do a lot more with neville and um he has potential to really be a one of those few wrestlers on the roster who can transcend uh their usual fan base just because of his incredible moves and his athleticism but um yeah it's the usual thing i i fear of different factions within um the, the writing structure behind the scenes who have varying opinions on Neville. Some might think that, well, because his promos are uh, perhaps moderate in terms of quality, that they can't give him a strong push. Um, and there'll be those that feel that what he does from bell to bell warrants a stronger push. So I think he's probably 
caught in a bit of a tug of war on the creative front and he's suffering as a result. So that's a shame for him. And I think Lucha Dragons actually are pretty much in the same boat. On NXT, they uh, were strongly pushed, had the NXT tag titles for a long time. And um, since they've come over here um, just after WrestleMania, again, they've had... Uh, bit of a lukewarm push and uh, I think that's a shame because we know we've talked about how the tag team division has been in a bit of stagnation in the last few months and uh, I think the Lucha Dragons if pushed correctly and booked correctly um, could certainly um, breathe some life into the division so yeah there's a, there's a bit of um, uh, improvement certainly to be made in terms of the use of those three guys. Yeah, and, and the other thing that, that uh, I fear, too, is that size is an issue when it comes to Neville as well. Um, and and I, I, I just I think there's a glass ceiling for athletes like him in the WWE. I could be wrong. Uh, this is just me speculating, obviously. But um, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's if, if, if a rebranding is going to be coming, if he'll go back to NXT um, or if he'll remain where he is right now. And this is um, – this is the heights at which Neville reaches. Uh, I, I've said before on this show, and we've actually discussed it, I feel like Neville is a, is a perfect example of why WWE needs to institute weight classes, for example. Um, it's, it's fascinating. I watched a, a, a special or a new, a new series on uh, WWE Network last night hosted by JBL, and, uh, and he actually sat down and spoke to Eric Bischoff. For anybody that has a network, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you go out and take a look at it. Um, it's an interview he's doing in two parts. And in that interview, Bischoff talked about the importance of the cruiserweight division on Nitro to keep people from changing the channel. I feel like a cruiserweight division, if booked properly in WWE, could be huge, especially when you have a show that is on for three hours and struggles to keep people engaged. Well, that's right. I mean, at times the show really does drag and uh, feeling three hours um, with the same types of matches um, is, is not great. I mean, that's one of the things about Nitro that was attractive is that uh, we had different styles, as you point out, and uh, the Cruiserweights in WCW certainly brought something different to uh, matches featuring um, some of the larger guys on the WCW roster at the time. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's certainly a case, whether it's a introduction of weight divisions or even bringing back the cruiserweight division or light heavyweight division, whatever they want to call it, um, I certainly think that there's a role and a position that Neville can play, um, which can be quite prominent. Um, but I think he's just lost in the shuffle, lost in the mix. And I think WWE really needs to decide what to do with him. I mean, one of the things I've talked about is... Um, about Kevin Owens and uh, John Cena um, coming together, and we'll talk about that later on. But um, if they don't want to go in that direction, then Neville can certainly make a great opponent for Kevin Owens, and uh, that would certainly bring Neville's career back on track. But um, other than that, I really don't see where he's going at the moment. So I think you could be quite right. Um, possible stint back in NXT might just be looming and Triple H has talked about that I mean he had a conference call a few weeks ago where he had talked about sending main roster guys or girls back to the uh, NXT um, to just give them a bit of a refresh um, if their career seems to be stagnating so Neville could be one of the early um, examples of that. 
And and I don't think it would be um, necessarily a bad thing for Neville either. I mean, he he flourished in NXT. NXT is really establishing itself as its own standalone brand. Um, it's touring now. They've they've just uh, finished another tour here in Texas where they hit a few cities um, over the last week while WWE was in town for Night of Champions and for Raw as well. Um, so I, I think it could be a good thing for him as opposed to being lost in the mix on the main roster. Um, let's move ahead and talk about Ryback versus Kevin Owens. The Intercontinental Championship changed hands. How do you feel about this? Um, again, we, we talked about this on the show last week. I predicted Kevin Owens would win. And here he is, the Intercontinental Champion. Um, a rake of the eyes, by the way, um, and a roll-up. I, I, I liked it. It was an old-school finish. It, it felt very heel, which is exactly what you wanted from uh, from Kevin Owens. What do you think about all this, good or bad? Yeah, when Kevin Owens is involved, it's very rare that he will be in a bad match, and um, he didn't let us down again. Had about as good a match as you can have with Ryback. Um, it wasn't a long match by any means, but um, what they did was perfectly fine. Um, it was about what I'd expect from these two, and um, it was completely the right thing to do. Um, the IC title certainly um, has been in... <laughs> what I would call a pretty low position over the last couple of months. Um, the program involving Ryback, Big Show, Miz, really has got nowhere. It's done nothing for that title whatsoever. So the title needed some momentum to be um, um, built into it. And uh, Kevin Owens is that man to uh, breed life into this title. And uh, I have talked about last week the possibility of Kevin Owens uh, having another program with John Cena to perhaps unify the two secondary titles. And, um, you know, I'd like to see that happen because um, titles and titles are great to get people over, but they're not the only way to get talent over. And, um, you know, I think that um, certainly having less is more at this point in time would be good because, you know, NXT is now um, quite a strong brand for the WWE, and that on its own has got um, several titles. So if the main roster has um, quite a few titles as well, that's overall between the main roster and the NXT, um, quite a large number of titles. So in order to um, keep it um, kind of relevant and also... Um, for each of the titles to mean something, I think it's good for the main roster to have fewer than perhaps was the case a few years ago when there was two every type of title. I'm glad Kevin Owens is uh, the Intercontinental Champion. I think he'll do the title credit, and um, I don't know how long he'll reign as champion, but um, it's certainly a big improvement over Ryback. And I, I mean, I'd, I've got nothing against Ryback, but I mean, he's, he's a limited performer, he's a limited wrestler, and um, Kevin Owens can bring so much more to the title. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, Kevin Owens reminds me a lot of Harley Race. Um, and, I mean, just not not just the build, but just he feels like an old-school heel, you know. And um, and I think that's what the WWE needs more of, are heels that are heels that aren't just heels because they're cool. And I think, I think Gags pointed that out when he was on the show a few weeks ago as well. Um, you know, that uh, this is the type of heel that you really need. He, he is a main event quality heel. And um, so the Intercontinental Championship is, I think, in good hands um, with Kevin Owens. Rusev and Dolph Ziggler told the story. Were, were, were you happy with it? 
<laughs> well, I mean, I made my views on this program yes. very clear last week. So, 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 so the match, did it change your mind or no? No, no, it didn't. Um, yeah, it was clear that this storyline is going to unfortunately continue, and it may well continue all the way through till uh, Survivor Series. Uh, that's my fear. This has done no favors whatsoever for the two of them, and um, certainly this storyline involving uh, Summer Rae and um, Dolph Ziggler and the kind of teasing that's going on between them. Um, was progressed with the angle as part of this match um, and the match's finish in particular where Summer Rae ostensibly threw a share uh, sorry, not a share <laughs> a shoe at Dolph Ziggler he ducked and it uh, hit Rusev and um, this mighty uh, shoe was enough to uh, take out Rusev and uh, Ziggler was able to get the uh, one, two, three so um yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a silly finish, really, because Rusev uh, was almost like that unbeatable force of nature uh, for so long in the WWE, and um, to have a kind of cheap type of finish like that, it wasn't really good. And um, as I say, it's it's not been good for Rusev, I mean, particularly because he was doing so well um, at the top of the card for so long, and uh, you know he's stuck in mid card hell now, and uh, I really don't see why they had to even go down this route and it's just um one of these horrible storylines that just hasn't clicked and with these types of situations you just want to pull the plug in it as soon as possible um, especially when you've got somebody who actually means something in terms of um crowd reactions and uh also potentially being a top tier talent who can headline shows and mm-hmm. rusev has proven that i mean he did really really well um, opposite John Cena for a long time. So I think, you know, he's got a lot to offer. And um, that's not to discredit Dolph Ziggler. He's a fantastic talent. He's a great, great worker. But, um, you know, Dolph Ziggler has his level. Rusev has his level. And, um, yeah, I, I've just not liked it. And I think they need to end this whole thing as soon as possible, please. I mean, Rusev, I, I feel like Rusev has been stripped of of his heel heat. I I don't, first of all, I don't understand how one week he is a Russian sympathizer who uh, is wearing a medal that was given to him by Vladimir Putin. And the next week he's the Bulgarian brute again. So, so that right there strips away a tremendous amount of heel heat that he had, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I, I, I don't understand that. I mean, can, can you rationalize why they would do something like that? Absolutely not. It just didn't make any sense. I mean, as the Russian sympathizer, he was getting over great. And um, it just didn't make any sense. He just all of a sudden one week um, was back to being the Bulgarian brute. No real explanation was given. And uh, we're just supposed to accept this. So there's sometimes when WWE Creative just puts things out there, out of the blue, with no rhyme or reason. And um, that's pretty poor, I mean, in this day and age. I mean, they've got two dozen writers, for God's sake. So... To just be changing things and not explaining why those things have changed, um, especially to a, a top character like Rusev. I mean, it's one thing if he was um, low down on the pecking order and it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but he's been a top guy um, for the last 12 months. And um, to just change him in terms of his character and his gimmick quite significantly in that respect was a bizarre thing to do. So I didn't like it. And, um, 
yeah, his career's only gone backwards the last few months, and that's sad to see. I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but because uh, we we've talked about this a little bit on the show in the past, when especially when we've done more general pods, um, and we've just talked about general topics about the business and you know and what's best for business. But you know, in the, in the times that I've been in and around WWE. Uh, you you see these these moving parts, and it's it's almost incredible how large the machine really is, um, and and how many people are involved with this one product and this one show going off as well as possible every night. When it comes to the writers, are there too many cooks in the kitchen on this? Is that part of the problem with all this? Because I mean, like, I, I don't understand how else things. Can 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 get stagnant like this, or, or or something like this can happen. Because I mean, if you watch a if you watch a soap opera or a drama, for example, um, whether it be weekly or whether it be something that comes on every day, there are characters that are constantly intertwined with each other in some sort of drama that's captivating. Because if it's not captivating, people aren't going to watch. I don't know of anybody. At this point, they can look at this this Rusev Ziggler feud and say that what we've seen here has been captivating, or or, or it has made me care. No, that's completely true, and a uh, very very good point. And um, I think I certainly think that the WWE is to look at itself. I mean, in the past and for many 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 years, they got by with a very small creative team. At times, it was only literally one or two people involved in booking the whole product um, that you used to see on TV. And that was even coming into the era of um, two-hour rules, two-hour smackdowns, of four hours of primetime TV. And they were getting by with only a couple of writers. And to have so many writers now, I can just imagine um, the different arguments they have and creative differences also about where to take characters. And there's bound to be... Um, certain people, certain factions within the creative team that want to take certain characters in one direction and other groups that want to take characters in a different direction. Um, I don't know the exact mechanics of how um, the creative team book and whether they've got um, specific responsibilities just for certain um, numbers of characters or certain programs rather and just to book for those um, fuse and programs. But... um, yeah, I, I clearly am of the view that um, the whole thing doesn't work particularly well. And um, a lot of the storylines are very sterile and um, lack the real emotion and the real impact that they should have. And, you know, the sad thing is, is that a lot of the better storylines seem to be saved um, for WrestleMania time. And um, from January to April is when we see um, the WWE at its creative peak. And I like to see that 12 months a year on three months a year. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly think that having such a, a bloated creative force is, is certainly not helping matters. I mean, is it is it more difficult than ever, though, when you consider the fact that now they have a three-hour live show each and every week? They have SmackDown. They have the network. They have NXT. They have all these things. So... Are, are, are the talent not overexposed to a certain extent? I mean, and we, we talked about this as well. I mean, why not take some of these guys and have them go away for a little bit? I mean, this idea, like, for example, that John Cena can never be off television because he's John Cena. Well, you have all these other big stars as well, and I'm not discrediting Cena, Cena's star power and his draw because clearly he, he's, he's feeding people with the amount of merchandise that he's selling, but... 
I mean, 12 months out of the year and these, 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 this talent being exposed on three hours of live television each and every week, to me, it just seems like they're more overexposed than they've ever been. And the ratings are um, testament to that argument. Um, the ratings are uh, many, many year low. I mean, you'll have to go back to 1997, which is 18 years ago, um, to come across ratings that are as consistently poor as they are now. I mean, there are very different factors um, for the TV um, environment of today compared to 1997. But, you know, you've got to bear in mind, 1997, they were up against a juggernaut in Monday Nitro that was uh, firing all cylinders. And they haven't got that competition now. They have got other forms of reality TV that they consider to be competition. Nonetheless, um, it's it's just a, a sign of the struggles that they have. And, um, yeah, sure, I mean, we've talked about the fact that they're on, on course to have a record-breaking year in terms of revenue. But I think that's more a case of the business model having been changed, uh, which allows them to make money more easily and um, having a network which um, has obviously uh, brought in a lot of uh, hardcore fans from all around the world that are willing to pay the 999 or whatever the price may be in the different countries around the world. But um, my view, which I've expressed, is that that network and also the WWE commercially can be even more successful if the product was more creatively strong. And um, that, that's my concern, is that um, a lot of what we're seeing on TV is just um, nothing that particularly stands out one way or the other. It's not particularly great. It's not particularly poor. It's just there. And uh, I think we need to see a little bit less it's, of that. It's safe. More product. Yes, yeah. yes, that's I right. mean, it's, 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 it's safe because, you know, they are a publicly traded company, and, and that's – and that's the that's the thing is how do you reconcile those two things? How do you reconcile their responsibilities to partners and corporate sponsors with putting together compelling television at the same time? And I mean, because I, I feel like NXT does it. You know, I mean, I don't see, you know, NXT doesn't take things to the degree that we saw in ECW. You know, you're not seeing guys uh, getting hit in the head with cheese graters. You know, you're you're not seeing uh, a you know side boob everywhere and bra and panties matches, but what you are seeing is a wrestling heavy product that at times is is more adult oriented or is a, or feels like it's a little bit more mature and and geared a little bit more for a wrestling specific audience. Would that would that be more successful on Raw than the product that we see on Raw? I think is really the question. Well, that's my entire argument about um, the kind of PG product. And, you know, you've got to bear in mind, this is not something that they've just started doing in the last year or two. Um, this PG era, as I like to call it, has been around for six, seven years now. Um, that They made a conscious decision all the way back then. No blood. Um, certainly language was to be restrained. Um the portrayal of women um, was to be uh, changed as well, and for the good and for the better, and that was the right thing to do. Um, some of the portrayal of women in the Attitude Era was particularly uh, poor and um, really disappointing. And I think the WWE 
in retrospect, probably regret the way in which they portrayed the likes of Trish Stratus in certain angles they did in the Attitude Era. So when I talked about um, bringing back the Attitude Era, I certainly wasn't referring to going back and um, objectifying women in that way. But um, there were certain aspects of the booking around edginess and about unpredictability um, that was so great and so different to what we see now, where everything is... Um, to varying degrees, quite predictable, and um, that's that's one thing that I don't really like. And uh, you know, for people that even casually watch the WWE product, um, mo more often than not, they'll know what will be happening. <laughs> and um, that's the that's the sad thing about the current day product is that um, the unpredictability that we saw in the Attitude Era, where anything could happen. And creatively, um, they were really thinking out of the box, um, is missing. And, um, you know, things like uh, some of the angles that Steve Austin used to do, like the um, Zambezi vehicles and things like that, and driving up to the ring, that were, those were kind of iconic moments in the history of Raw. Right. And um, why don't we see things like that? Those are things which somebody sitting in an office um, in between the two Monday shows thinks, okay, what can I do to really do something on Raw that will stand out. And uh, we see none of that. We just see very formulaic, safe, as you say, uh, booking, presentation, one segment after the other, and uh, nothing that really, oh, really stands out. It, it's, it's very regimented. It's, it's, it's very yeah. regimented. For whatever reason, um, they feel like that is the, the, the best, you know, what's best for business. And on, and on the flip side of that, you know, and, and as I have argued, what they're doing right now seems to be what's best for business simply because, you know, the dollars and cents support it, but on the other side, the ratings do not. So it's a question of do you take a risk and go to the next level and maybe push the envelope a little bit. Um, and, and that's really uh, the, the million-dollar question on this. But uh, speaking of the Attitude Era, for the first time in, I would say, more than 10 years, the Dudley Boys were wrestling for the WWE Tag Team Championships their opponent, The New Day. How do you feel that they handled this creatively and that uh, The New Day seemed to come out of this still with the titles and still protected? The Dudley boys got to break a table and the crowd loved it. Are you happy with this or did you want to see the Dudleys walk out with the titles? No, I didn't. As I mentioned last week, um, I was keen to see New Day retain the titles. They're probably my favorite act in the whole of the WWE now. I mean, my love for them grows by the week. They just are a fantastic um, act. And um, it'll be one of the saddest days in the history of sports entertainment when they break up. Um, so I'll treasure every moment um, whilst whilst we're fortunate to see the three together. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a great match, and I wasn't expecting it to be a great match. It was fine, and um, the finish was probably what it needed to be. And um, it was clearly something that um, was to be continued uh, beyond this match. And um, we'll be seeing more of New Day versus the Dudleys over the coming weeks. Um, but as a finish, in terms of keeping that storyline going, it was probably the right thing to do with um, the uh, uh, interference finish from Xavier Woods. And um, obviously, he then went through the table after the match. So that was, that was fine by me. And um, yeah. New Day going out there, um, doing their thing, and um, Xavier Woods with the singing and playing the trumpet, you know, is a big thumbs up. 
It just seems like those guys are are getting more and more into this. They're they're, they're enjoying it more and more, and it's 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 really coming across. I mean, even the 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 shtick that they were doing together on Monday Night Raw was was great. I mean, these guys they they cut great promos. They give a good interview. Xavier Woods. It seems like he's always having a blast. Big E right now. Big E and Kofi look like they're having more fun than they've ever had in the WWE. Oh, completely. I mean, you can tell they really, really enjoy what they're doing. And it's a complete 182 when the gimmick first started. And uh, a few months ago, if you recall, um, they seemed quite uncomfortable about having to do this. And um, it seemed as if they weren't sure themselves where this whole thing was going to go. Um, but they've embraced it in credit to, you know, give them credit. They've taken it on and um, really thrown themselves into it head on. And uh, it's been a massive success. And uh, they are certainly one of the most overacts um, on the whole roster now. And uh, all credit to them. That's been a fantastic um, effort. And it just shows that... Um, even to other people within the roster, if they think they've been given a lousy gimmick or a lousy character to portray, if you try and put some effort into it, you never know. It might just click. And uh, certainly you've got to say New Day's clicking big time. That, that, that reminds me of a guy that um, I guess you'd have to look on a milk carton to find him. Uh, what has happened to Damian Sandow? Because here's a guy that was given all of these ridiculous gimmicks, no matter what was handed to him, this guy was the master of shining shit. I mean, he really was. And he was rewarded by being taken off the roster. Yeah, well, I'm surprised he hasn't sued Hulk Hogan by now because, uh, yeah, that whole Mega Powers tribute thing he had going with um, Kurt Hennig's boy, um, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. It was a nice undercard uh, comedy act and... Uh, it's um, just a shame that the whole thing with Hogan went down and WWE decided to um, drop the whole Mega Powers tribute thing. So, um, yeah, they've clearly got no ideas for him because otherwise we'd be seeing him on TV. So, yeah, until until they come up with something, um, it's it looks like we'll be uh, seeing very little of him, uh, which is a shame because even... Um, with the very first gimmick that he first um, debuted with, um, I thought that was really good. And uh, I think that the WWE writers, again, um, perhaps not so keen on the idea. Otherwise, they would have brought him back with that gimmick. So they clearly are trying to come up with a different idea. But again, in between two dozen sets of writers, um, all coming up with two dozen different ideas for him. <laughs> Good luck. Um, collectively, yeah, they probably haven't come to any kind of consensus on it. So the poor guy, unfortunately, has to uh, sit on the sidelines until um, WWE has something for him. Well, let's talk about um, a six-man tag match, which took place. The Wyatts and their new big man, this this ginormous uh, Braun Strowman, uh, teaming up with, um, with Bray Wyatt and... Um, taking on two-thirds of the shield and these the mystery partner who was chris jericho you know jericho seems to do this every year where he has this annual comeback that no one expects except everyone was expecting it and that's sort of the gimmick um i feel like personally they booked this finish correctly with jericho being the reason that they could not win the match um so where do you go from here do you see chris jericho potentially having a feud with roman or, or perhaps dean ambrose 
I don't see why not. Um, Jericho is now into this uh, mode of being a guy to put over some of the up-and-coming younger talent, and um, he does that very, very well. He's a accomplished pro. He's um, very good at doing this now. So I'd like to see um, Chris Jericho do something, and uh, you know, he, he typically tends to stay three, four months before he disappears again. And um, yeah, I don't see why a uh, few do either um, Ambrose or Reigns um, couldn't certainly add value and worth to both of those guys. So that would be quite a good direction to go in for either one. I'd perhaps be more inclined to go with Ambrose and Reigns. I think that um, Reigns continuing his feud with the White family um, would be good to see. And um, certainly his storyline about trying to break down Strowman uh, would be good because... Um, Strowman, the way he's been booked thus far, I've been impressed with. So I've got to give the WWE writers some credit uh, this week and say they're actually doing a good job with him. They're portraying him as something, of a, some, somewhat of a monster, somebody who um, can barely be phased. And uh, week by week, we're seeing a little bit more vulnerability. So they're booking him right. And um, I'd like to see more of that between him and Reigns. So Jericho and Ambrose, I think, would be quite a decent program. And uh, that would be a good direction for those two to go in. Um, but at the same time, they perhaps are not too keen on Roman Reigns um, feuding with three guys by himself. So the flip side is is that they might decide, well, actually, um, Reigns still needs some support and they might look to keep Ambrose um, as part of that mix too. Um, but either way, um, and all that aside, it was a good match. It was a very good match. And... Um, I like the way that they booked um, the whole thing and um, the way that they showed some vulnerability um, with Strowman as the match wore on, only for Jericho to then spoil everything at the end, uh, tag himself in, trying to go for glory and uh, failing miserably and then walking out on um, Ambrose and Reigns. That was good. That was very good. Uh, well booked and uh, certainly we're going to see a little bit more of this storyline, I'm sure. Yeah, and the thing is, too, is coming into this, I, I wasn't looking forward to this matchup all that much. Um, and as it turned out, arguably, it was my favorite match of the night. So uh, I thought I thought it was a really good match. I thought they told a great story. And um, I think, you know, the Roman Reigns is turning the corner a little bit on, on some of his critics, but uh, there's more to be seen. But, um, you know, I thought it was a good match overall and, and very entertaining. So, uh, That's for sure. Let's move on to a topic that uh, both you and my co-host on Reality of Wrestling have been very vocal about, and that is the Divas Revolution, and a new Divas champion was crowned in Charlotte. And, of course, if anybody expected Ric Flair not to come out and cry, uh, they were sorely mistaken. <laughs> I, think, I think we all saw that coming. Uh, yeah. but, but a touching moment, nevertheless. And uh, a fairly good match. There were a few sloppy spots in it, uh, sloppy spots in it. But overall, I thought it was um, it was a pretty decent match. And um, Charlotte definitely told the tale as the baby face that um, you know tried to come back and got cut off, tried to come back and got cut off, and, and finally was able to apply the the figure four into the figure eight and capture the Divas Championship. What 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 do you think about all this? And what did you think of Nikki's performance? most importantly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brad would be glad to know. I actually thought this was one of Nikki's best performances in the WWE to date. Um, she actually impressed me. So wow. <laughs> I have to give her 
some credit. And uh, yeah, I'm sure Brad just fell off his chair when he heard that. Okay. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, good for a Nikki Bella match. Um, she, you know, it's funny because when I was watching the match, I thought, okay. Nikki must have been watching some Bret Hart tapes this week. And 10 seconds later, she puts on the figure four. Around the post. Around the ring post. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, you know, if, if there's anyone to uh, try and uh, learn from, um, Bret Hart's the guy. And, uh, yeah, it was a good, simple storyline, um, knowing that Charlotte would want to use the figure eight. So let's go for the legs. And, um that was good, simple storytelling, and um, she was doing that quite well. And uh, the finish at the end was good, and um, yeah, the, the the victory for Charlotte was expected. We talked about that, speculated about it last week. That as soon as Nikki Bella would break uh, AJ Lee's uh, Divas Championship record uh, for the title reign, um, it'd be time for Charlotte to win the belt. And um, the other thing that I was um, hoping for, as I talked about last week, was that we quickly move on from Charlotte and Nikki to a different direction. And it looks like that's the way we're heading um, following what we saw on Raw. But again, we'll come on to that later on. But yeah, in, in summary then, um, a good match. And um, I'm very, very happy that Charlotte won the title. And hopefully it means that um, Nikki Bella gets phased down the roster as um, I feel she needs to be. Well, um, the other thing that I, I found fascinating about this, because we, we, you know, you talked about Nikki working on the leg. We had Owens that worked on Ryback's arm almost the entire match. We 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 looked at how uh, Braun Strowman was was protected and and how simple the booking was. There was a lot of simple booking which took place during this show, and it was effective. You know, just as I've said before, heels versus faces is effective. This was effective, simple, keep it simple, stupid. And, and that, that formula right there will translate into, uh, into a better show. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, these things have worked for very, very many years, you know, decades, and there's no reason why you need to necessarily veer away from that. I mean, if you look at the circus, I mean, that's, um, following a very formulated pattern where people go along, they know what to expect. But it's pretty much the same thing that's been done for many, many years and decades and decades. So why mess about with a formula that works? Why mess about with a formula that's been successful all around the world? Why mess about with a formula that has served the WWE so well for decades? So that's the way to go. And, um, you know, that, that, that was good to see. And it was, that was one of the aspects of the show that I quite liked to see was some of the simple storylines, some of the simple match layouts um and also a presentation of characters um that was that was nice so um that was a stark contrast to the main event but yeah again we'll come on to that yeah, yes well well let's get into um into the first part of it john cena versus seth rollins for the united states championship i thought and predicted that this matchup would open the show I was very surprised that uh, these matches were booked back-to-back -back like this, but they were. Uh, let me get your general thoughts on all of this. I mean, you know, th th this match itself, what did you think of the match? What did you think of the spots in the match? Uh, as far as I could tell, there were no springboard stunners, so thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, 
you know, um, what, 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 I mean, for, what, what do you think? Because personally, I love Cena and Rollins working together. I'm not a huge fan of the spot fests, but I really enjoy the chemistry that those two have. I, I think it's on par with what Cena and Punk have done together in the past. Yeah, I mean, by the standards of these two, actually, it was uh, below par. Um, yet it was still a very, very good match. And I thought it was the match of the night. Um, it was an excellent contest, in fact, in my opinion. The two um, worked very well. They just worked seamlessly together. They just um, had that chemistry, as you say. And uh, it was um, good back and forth action all the way through. And... Um, yeah, I, I was glad that John Cena won the title. I, I'm not a fan of Seth Rollins holding two titles and simultaneously having two programs at the same time. So it was the right thing to do to take the title off him. It was cool that he won it and uh, was walking around with two belts, but um, that kind of storyline had a very limited shelf life. And uh, this was a show to um, relieve him of that title. So as I think most of us um, talked about, last week um cena was the right person uh, to go over in this contest and it was a very good one um in terms of whether it was the right thing to do to place it before the main event in retrospect i have to say it probably worked um i wasn't keen on the idea when i saw that it wasn't going to be the opener for the show um certainly i was keen for it to be the opener but um despite that being the semi-main event it was actually um feeding nicely into the uh, into the headline uh, attraction so uh, yeah in retrospect it was actually probably the right thing to do okay great well cena wins the championship i think we, we both agree that is a great decision uh and and hopefully I, I i hope that you're right mo and it leads to a program between kevin owens and john cena once again because i think um doing that and unifying those titles would be uh, fantastic and something that would keep us interested. I'd, I'd hell, I'd love to see it happen uh, at at um, Hell in the Cell. Uh, I think it, it would be a great place for it to happen. But um, absolutely. But Sting makes his arrival. It's only the fourth time Sting has been in action in, in WWE, and only the second time, I believe, on pay per view or at a special event, as they're now called. Sting, a fifty-six-year-old man, who many people thought had disappeared for fifteen years, unless they were watching TNA. Um, comes in to WWE in the main event against Seth Rollins and has an opportunity to win the championship. Some of the things that Sting did in this matchup astounded me. A 56-year-old man diving off the top rope to the outside. That was astounding. Him taking a back bump on the Spanish announce table. Now things are getting a little over the top. Then Sting being powerbombed into the corner Absolutely ridiculous. No reason at all for spots like that to be taking place when a 56-year-old man is the guy on the receiving end. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. End of them. I mean, do you disagree with me? I mean, because personally, I think, I think um, many people are lucky that Sting wasn't severely injured even more than he was. Yeah, I mean, I agree that um, it's a bit uncomfortable to see a wrestler of that age um, having to go through spots like that. I mean, but... and, don't, and don't get me wrong. I appreciate what Sting's doing. I, I really do. I appreciate the hell out of it. But I don't want Sting. I don't want Sting to die in the ring. You know, I don't want to see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things that yeah, it's something that he felt he needed to do. Um, he wanted to prove that he can still go. And I think that all of those spots were clearly spots that he agreed to and uh, wanted as part of this contest. Um, so there's the flip side to it, that, you know, those are probably moves that he not only agreed to, but perhaps even suggested um, because he wanted to show that, yeah, I'm not just some guy from the past that um, was good and can no longer go. I want to show I can do, still go in the ring. And, uh yeah, he showed that, but he got hurt as well. I mean, he had a neck injury, and um, you know he's lucky in a way that he didn't get more seriously hurt. The spot on the Spanish announcers table was particularly scary because um, they didn't even take the um, monitors off of the uh, off of the table. So the back of his head, I think, caught one of the monitors, and I was quite surprised that he didn't bust his head open. And that was a particularly horrible spot. And then again, the corner power bomb again. You know, if you take that wrong, um, you know, you could get seriously hurt, and he did. Um, and in fact, I mean, the, the neck injury perhaps isn't as bad as it could have been, but, you know, taking that just slightly wrong, um, you know, you could be left with a very, very serious injury. So he's slightly fortunate. He was risking himself, certainly, to try and um, put, on a, put on a contest which um, would stay long in the memory. It didn't. It wasn't a great match. It was a good match. Um Certainly for somebody of that age, um, it was a lot better than um, perhaps Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair at the same age. But um, nonetheless, um, I, I just thought that it was a bit unnecessary, some of the uh, stuff they did in the, in, the, in the contest. They could have had a, a good match working a much safer style without the unnecessary bumps. But um, credit thing, I mean, he pulled out one or two um, athletic moves. I mean, in his prime, um, he was very underrated as a flyer. He was so incredibly athletic and um he still has a little bit of that i mean he did the plancher to the floor and um some of the bumps he took um away from those more dangerous ones we've already talked about uh also quite impressive so so that was good um the only criticism i have is that i mean when he locked in the scorpion death lock it 
looked about as painful as being hit by a feather. Um, you know, he hardly had it applied. He just um, didn't want to sit down into the move. And uh, that always looks lame. And, you know, he's, he's done that for many years, in fact, um, half applying that move. You know, when Bret Hart would apply the same move, um, which he calls a shot to, uh, you know, he'd really sit down into the move and it looked like it hurts. But, um, yeah, this didn't look like it hurt in the slightest. And uh, that certainly affects the believability of this type of match. But that's p- perhaps me being a bit pernickety. Yeah, I mean, well, I I don't know. I mean, again, I'm just speculating, but I, I would have to imagine that that his injury may, may have played a part in that as well. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've got to say, I mean, first of all, I, I've watched a lot of Sting matches over the course of my lifetime. I mean, it's 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 interesting. You know, we, we I feel old, Mo, because there are kids that are being introduced to Sting for the first time. Um, I, I, I grew up watching him on, on, on TBS, the Superstation, um, you know, and then, then on, then on Nitro. And, um, I mean, even, even the days when, uh, NWA and, and the, the Crockett territories had transitioned into, uh, into world championship wrestling. So I got to say up until that injury, it was one of the best matches I've seen Sting work. It was a really good match. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, certainly far better than had any right to be and uh better than most people would have expected and um you know seth rollins has to get some credit for that again agreed uh, you know he's he's such a fantastic worker i mean some of the bumps that he was taking too uh were certainly adding to uh the drama of the contest as well so um it was good all round and uh certainly a fitting way to end the contest i mean We've seen in the past, especially in WCW, where um, guys who were past their prime, who were advanced in age, went out there and uh, embarrassed themselves almost. I mean, we had um, most famously Hogan and Roddy Piper, the late Roddy Piper, have a match at Halloween Havoc, which Shawn Michaels sarcastically referred to as age in the cage. And um, that was when those two guys were only in their mid-40s. You know, Sting is a decade on from from that age. So um, to have that kind of content, uh, sorry, have that kind of performance at the age of 56, very, very impressive. And not only that, I mean, in shape as well. He looked um, in very good condition for someone of his age and uh, certainly looked a lot younger than um, his years. So, uh, you know, all credit to him. He really made an effort, not only in terms of, what he did uh, from bell to bell, but also in terms of his appearance, the T-shirt was gone, and um, he looked uh, trim and in, in good condition, looking hench. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree 100%. Do you think this is the end for Sting, ba- based on based on the injury, or or is there anything left in the tank for him? I, you know, even before we get into that, based on what 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 you saw from Sting last or uh, on Sunday night, let me ask you this. Do you think that Sting took some of those unnecessary risks because he feels like he has something to prove because he hasn't spent the majority of his career, if any at all, in WWE other than this this farewell tour? Do you feel like he has something to prove? Well, to the likes of us who saw him you know, in WCW, he has nothing to prove. He's a legend of the business. He's had longevity that... Um, Many others who are considered legends, considered Hall of Famers, just have never had. You know, he's been a star in this industry now for coming up to three decades. You know, he became a star in WCW, really, Night Champions 1 in 1988. And um, 
you know, that's an incredibly long time ago. That's when Liverpool were in their pomp almost. Um, you know, that's how far back it is. It's uh, an incredible accomplishment that in 2015 he's still headlining shows. Um, so for likes of you and I, he's got nothing to prove. But I think that he's thinking, okay, well, there's a very different audience now, especially younger fans that perhaps didn't grow up on um, what I was doing in WCW, and I need to prove myself to them. And um, that's that's admirable. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's got to remember he's uh, an older guy and uh, he needs to look after himself because, um, you know, one of the things about Sting is that even during his um, prime years, he, he worked a safe style. He didn't take risks. And uh, his health um, by the end of his time in WCW and even into TNA was certainly a lot better than uh, many of his peers who were suffering um, the effects of working a very hard-hitting style um, back in those days. So for the likes of you and I to say, nothing to prove, but perhaps he feels that to the younger audience he has something to prove, and um, that's, that's to be admired. But, um, yeah, he didn't need to go that far. But, um, you know, I talked a bit earlier about how I like some of the storytelling and some of the booking of matches, and the thing I most hated about this show certainly was Sting not winning the title. I said last week he needed to win the title. They need to keep him strong. And, you know, it was a convincing, clean loss. It wasn't even a, a screw job type finish. Um, it was just the fact that he was outsmarted by Seth Rollins and he lost fair and square. And there was no comeback to that. So for me, it really was confusing because Sting has been brought in and portrayed as a special attraction, used sparingly. And yet, um, Two times we've seen him wrestle on these special events and two times he's lost. And uh, I don't really see where they go with him now because he would have been an ideal opponent for somebody like The Undertaker at WrestleMania. And um, he can still be, but certainly some of the allure of that contest is um, taken away by his two losses at the uh, WrestleMania this year as well as um, his loss to Rollins at Night of Champions. So disappointing um, and, you know, as, as a fan of Sting and also um, a long-time WCW fan, um, that's also sad to see. I think something that um, is is even more troubling yet, at least um, from my standpoint, is, you know, when Brad and I do our show together, Brad often talks about what he calls hashtag kayfabe continuity. And, um, and, and, and I, I have an issue with... Seth Rollins, the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and this is where I guess we'll now start transitioning into Monday Night Raw, um, losing clean to the United States Champion not once but twice. He loses clean to him at Night of Champions. He loses clean to him on Monday Night Raw, and I just don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's the idea or the thinking behind this it doesn't matter if he loses clean because John Cena is Superman and Rollins is still protected because he's the champion. Does that not diminish the WWE World Heavyweight Championship? Yes, it does, yeah. Um, again, that was um, one of those things that I found a bit strange, that they just had a clean finish to the US title match. And uh, yes, it was the right result, but um, at least gave the champion something to complain about the next night on Raw. Um, and that's what we normally do see, um, whether it's um, 
the fact that he thought his foot was on the rope and the referee counted three, or various other scenarios that he could have used as an excuse um, to keep you know his uh, momentum strong as a world champion. But to just lose clean certainly does diminish um, from his reign and um, also tarnish the world title as well, which you never want to see. So uh, that was also disappointing um, that it was two clean finishes. And it's not often that I'll complain about clean finishes, but the times when, uh, you, you know, clean finishes are not what's best for business. And um, well, I think for both matches, that was the wrong thing. Well, well and it also, it also gives off this impression that, you know, John Cena is walking around and he's saying to himself, I can be WWE champion whenever I want to. I choose not to be because I care about elevating the U.S. title. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. If he's better than the champion, then why isn't he champion? You know, that's the stuff that frustrates me is I, I look at this and it's like as an intelligent uh, viewer, as an, as an intelligent member of the WWE universe, if you will, I look at that and I say, now your title is is meaningless when it's compared to the guy that's carrying the United States championship because he's beaten this champion twice. So why should I care about this title? I mean, and that drives me crazy when I see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... We talk about how the WWE needs to protect its titles and uh, really make them special. So when they do stuff like this, um, it's disappointing. And that's why I wasn't a big, big fan of this uh, whole gimmick of having Seth Rollins walking around with two titles because inevitably um, he he needed to drop a title and it was going to be the secondary title. So if it was to drop that title, it would mean that um, the person who beat him for the secondary title could then have a claim to being better than the world champion. So it was a it was a corner that they booked themselves into, and I don't think they really gave it much thought. And, um, yeah, I think that shows perhaps the naivety of um, some of the people that are booking the product, that um, they don't really see the world title as um, the kind of important belt it needs to be. Um, well, and, 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 well, and the other thing that I've heard, too, and, and this I do agree with, is I've heard people who have said, well, there are certain guys in the company that don't need the title because they're already made men. You know, the Randy Ortons of the world are certainly John Cena, Brock Lesnar, guys like that, The Undertaker. They don't ever have to be WWE champion again because in many respects, they're already WWE champion for life. I get that. But then don't use one of those same guys in a program that diminishes – the current WWE champion and the title itself. And, 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 and I don't think it's that difficult to, to, to write this in a different way. If Cena, you know, if Cena and Rollins are going to have their challenge, whatever, have Kevin Owens come out and get involved because Owens wants the U S title. And he thinks that, um, that Rollins has a chance of winning it or whatever. There's a million ways you could, you could write that. I mean, hell for, for crying out loud, Hornswoggle became the anonymous raw general manager. So there's, there are, there are a million ways to get out of this, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, there is. And, um, that's why it was almost lazy booking. <laughs> you know, they've got two dozen writers and they couldn't come up with something halfway creative um, just to protect the champion. It was um, not not good, not 
not impressive in the slightest. So um, I'd like to see them do something now to uh, certainly build some momentum behind Rollins once again because um, I think he needs it. And given the ratings being where they are, um, Seth Rollins will certainly feel the pressure of that. So they need to protect their champion. They've invested a lot in Rollins this year. So they need to try and keep him as strong as possible um, because I think long-term, sorry, sorry, Matt, no, no, they, seem, they seem to be building towards uh, Rollins and Triple H for the main event of WrestleMania. And if that's the case, then surely, you know, if they're going to have that program and that match, um, they need to keep Rollins strong. So it was short-sighted booking and um, that, that, that's something they really need to look at but, over but the next he, six months. Mo, but is he already damaged goods? I mean, is, is Seth Rollins as WWE champion already damaged goods? Because it's one thing to book him as a chicken shit heel, but it's another thing to have your champion lose over and over and over again. And I'm not just talking about the Cena issue. I'm talking about the weeks leading up to this pay-per-view. He was losing to guys on Raw constantly. And many in many instances, he was losing clean. Um, now you've had him lose back-to-back clean to a guy that's holding a title that it's, I, I, I'm assuming is supposed to be less valuable than the WWE championship. Now how can he go into this program with Kane and get a victory? I mean, because the authority, I mean, if you want to keep kayfabe continuity, the authority's not going to get involved. At this point, you almost have to take the title off of him. But then if that's the case, what was the point of him beating Sting in the first place? I'm so confused by this. I really am. You sound angry, Matt. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it's strange. And I think that WWE is looking at the ratings, and we know that they've made some big decisions in the past based on ratings and rating patterns. And um, certainly ratings during the Rollins reign hasn't, haven't been the best. Um, but I don't think they can blame Rollins for that. I think there's wider factors at play. People consume... Um, the WWE in many different types of ways now. Um, some people are happy just to watch um, short highlights on YouTube from the official WWE channel, and uh, that's their fix. And uh, you know they don't want to sit through three hours, and uh, that that's that's the way it is. And um, you know they they need to think very long and hard about you know where they're going with um, bringing talent through because the established guys are not getting any younger. John Cena is thirty eight. Brock Lesnar is 38. Um, Undertaker is, uh, what, 50 now? Um, Sting, 56. And um, in terms of the younger talent that have to be uh, brought through and established as um, firm fixtures, as headliners, um, they really need to protect the few people they have who have that special and tangible something um, that can make them genuine, bona fide main event stars and I see Seth Rollins as being one of those and um, yeah you're right the way that he's been booked recently has not not been very encouraging and part of me is concerned that he is taking some of the flack and some of the blame for ratings being where they are and as I say I think there's a wider thing at play that ratings um, are not going to be particularly strong irrespective of who the champion is even if it's Brock Lesnar even if it was The Rock um, just purely because there's so many different ways to consume wrestling um, in 2015. And um, even if it was the Rock as champion, I don't think that it'd be a big difference in ratings. Um, so I think they need to have faith in the youngsters and um, think longer term, because if they are thinking seriously of 
um, punishing uh, Seth Rollins and taking the title off him, uh, perhaps at Hell in a Cell, that would be just the most ridiculous thing. Um, they've got a special talent there, and they need to nurture him and protect him. And um, I think it, long term it will pay dividends. And I look at a company like New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, and they've been one of the hottest companies um, around in the last couple of years. They were in the doldrums 10 years ago. Um, a lot of their established talents had left, and uh, they were completely lacking in direction. And they decide, okay, we've got some youngsters here, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Shinsuke Nakamura, like so these guys, and they invested in them, and they were very patient. And believe me, they had some really rocky financial years where it really didn't look good for that company. Um, but those talents came through, and in the last few years, they've been amongst the best in the world, right up there, the likes of Rollins and Cedar. And similarly, I think WWE need to have some patience and... Um, just think, okay, if we back this guy, he can become an established main eventer. He's only 29 years of age, and give him time, and you know, five years from now, um, he'll be an invaluable part of the roster. So I'd like to see that from the WWE, not this kind of short short-termism that's that's just completely the wrong thing to do yeah and i mean and you look at some of the stars that new japan has produced you know just recently for nxt and wwe i mean kenta finn balor i mean guys like that so um it it, it just here's here's what i'm afraid of what i'm afraid of is that when you look at if wwe let's say let's pretend for a minute that they're strictly looking at the ratings and they may be they may be looking at the ratings and they may be saying this is shit why is it shit? And then they may be blaming it on guys like Seth Rollins saying, well, he's not established yet. So I, I look at what I saw at Night of Champions, and it was the old guard having the spotlight. You had Chris Jericho returning yet again. You had a, a main event match featuring Sting. You had a match before that featuring John Cena. You had uh, Sheamus doing a run-in at the end, and then everyone being laid out by Kane. It felt like a show that we watched 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. so and so I, I feel like it's almost a reaction of, well, how are we going to pull back in an audience? Well, let's go back to what worked. And they're looking at these ta- the, the, the talent and saying, well, at one time when they were part of something else that was successful, they can replicate this. But I don't think it's necessarily the talent. I mean – you know, we, uh, earlier in the show, we talked about the overexposure and all that other stuff. I don't think it's that at all. I mean, I think one of the reasons why NXT is such a hot product is because of the youth movement, of the young commodities that they have on the roster. People are clamoring to see that. They want to see that. And I think that's the direction that you have to go in. You have to give guys like Seth Rollins time to develop and establish themselves as stars, but you can't do that if they're losing clean back-to-back to Cena. And that's what I'll say. Well, that's right. That. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, again, they just need to re- rewind back 10, 12 years. You know, John Cena was a young up-and-comer that was uh, fairly new and fairly inexperienced, and they decided to give him the ball and say, okay, you run with it, Cena. And they put the title on him. And he wasn't a roaring success when he first became champion. There were many critics of his working style who felt he wasn't a good enough main event worker um, to warrant being the world champion. And, um, you know, it took him two, three, four years before, you know, he really um, became comfortable in his role, in his position. And, um, you know, what we see today is one of the most accomplished um 
entertainers in the wrestling business. So, you know, these guys have to be given a chance and given time and um, just giving a title for, for three, four, five months and saying, okay, sink or swim in this time. Otherwise, that's it for you. You know, you're, you're damaged goods and we'll move on to the next person. That's completely the wrong way to go about business, especially in this current day and age where so many of the guys are um, advanced in age, as you say, like it's a cane, he's uh, well into his 40s now. And you really can't be pushing people like that. Same with Big Show. Um, they need to be phased down and um, playing a role of elevating the next headliners who will then uh, keep the company moving forward for the next decade to come. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring that up because let's let's get in and talk about Monday Night Raw very quickly. And um, I want to kind of go out of order and just s- some highlights. Well, let's start with the big show because it was announced at the pay-per-view on Sunday that it will be Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker in a Hell in a Cell. But a few weeks before that, Brock Lesnar will face The Big Show at Madison Square Garden in New York. Now, last night at Monday Night Raw, The Big Show knocks out Cesaro, beats him clean. A guy that you've been building and building and building, and then once again, the rug gets pulled out from under him. That's fine, I guess, because I understand you're doing that because you want the Big Show, I'm assuming, you want the Big Show to look stronger coming into his match with Brock Lesnar. Here's my problem. You claim this man is the world's largest athlete. So you shouldn't have to do anything to build him up. The Big Show is already an established big man. He's the world's largest athlete. He's already one of the most dangerous and devastating forces in the history of sports entertainment. Or he used to be if you had booked him properly the whole time. And see, this is the thing. So now you have talent that you're trying to build, young talent who's supposedly the future of the company, who have to suffer the consequences of bad booking decisions over the course of the last few months and years. So Cesaro pays penance for Big Show's bad booking to make Big Show look strong so he can lose to Lesnar. Tell me I'm wrong. You're completely correct, 100%. Um, Yeah, it was just the most frustrating thing about Raw for me. I mean, Cesaro, they've been pushing, and um, it seemed like he was building up some momentum recently. And then in the last two, three weeks, they've gone cold on him again. This is so frustrating. And how do they expect their audience to invest emotionally in um, the talents, especially the younger guys, when they keep pulling out this yo-yo booking where – for a few weeks, they'll push a guy and it looks like they're going somewhere and they've got some purpose. And then, as you say, they pull the rug out from beneath them and then they are, you know, jobbing week on week and uh, portrayed as complete nobodies. And uh, that's exactly what's happening with Cesaro. You know, they could have had several other guys in that spot to put over Big Show, like Zack Ryder, for example, and that would have been completely fine. But, you know, Cesaro, you know, he's an immense talent. He's really, really good. And um, for them to be doing this, again, it just shows how um, disjointed the whole booking process is in the WWE, that creatively they don't know from one week to the next where they really want to go. That just signifies to me that long-term they just have no clue where they want to go because if they did, they wouldn't book in such a haphazard kind of way. Because it just doesn't make sense to put Cesaro over as a Superman 
um, in July and then September for him to be losing clean to Big Show in six minutes. And uh, that just that reeks of um, short-sightedness and booking week to week. And that's one of my biggest bugbears of the WWE creative process right now. And there just needs to be a really big shift in the way that they do things. And that's what I like about NXT. And that's why I think a lot of people um, enjoy NXT is that they have a much more consistent way in which they put talent over, that there's a bit more of a long-term approach to storylines and booking. And when talent come through, uh, when they debut on that show, um, it's clear to see what the progression will be for certain guys. So when Finn Balor first came in, it was quite clear early on, you know, that he would be pushed in in the right kind of way, and that's exactly what they've been doing with him. Same with Samoa Joe, same with various other talents on that show. And um, on the main roster, it's completely the opposite. And again, I think that one of the main causes is too many cooks spoiling the broth, and uh, it's a serious problem. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, it, and it's it's frustrating because, I mean, as fans and, and you know, as somebody that, that works in the business and wants the business to succeed and, and wants it to make sense, when I see things like that, it does it does upset me, you know, because I know the, the incredible talent that, that uh, Cesaro is and he deserves to be in the main event scene. And, you know, even guys like John Cena have gone on the record to do everything they can to help send the message that this guy shouldn't be losing to the likes of Big Show on Raw. I'm sorry, but Cesaro should never lose to the Big Show on Raw again. And 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 for what you're trying to do for the Big Show, just do what just do what's been used so many times in the past. Roll out some local competitors. Have Big Show beat two guys or three guys at once that we've never heard of before. That's all we need to see. That's all we need to see. We don't need anything else, you know, or feed him the Zack Riders. I mean, Lord knows Zack would love to get on Raw. So Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's um it's just uh, a really silly thing and um it almost as if they wanted to send a message to Cesaro. And um, again it's about the kind of politics that goes on in the WWE as well. Um there'll be certain forces within the creative team that are very anti Cesaro. And I think the reason for that is um because they feel that you know, there are certain people that feel that he's very poor on the promo front. And yeah, I mean, that's a halfway fair point. Um, he's not particularly strong on the mic, and um, that's a part of his game he definitely needs to improve. But, um, you know, Brock Lesnar's not a particularly strong uh, talker either. Um, but he's very fortunate in that he's got uh, Paul Heyman doing the talking for him. And, you know, granted, not every poor talker in the WWE can have Paul Heyman by their side to. Uh, well, well, Cesaro you know. had Paul Heyman, and then they took him away. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So they kind of figured out what to do. And then, um, you know, before you knew it, he was taken away. So, yeah, when, you, when you're in that kind of situation, you're almost in a no-win position because no matter what you do, it just won't be enough for some people. And I imagine that Cesaro must be absolutely frustrated as all hell um, because it, it just can't be a pleasant environment to be working in. That No matter how hard you try in the ring, it counts for nothing. Yeah. Well, let's uh, pivot to the uh, the Divas Revolution. You know, as we, we talked about earlier on the show, Charlotte won the title at Night of Champions. Paige did what uh, I expected to be a heel turn. I'm sure many other people did as well. Uh, what 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 do you think about all this? Is is this going to be a nice rivalry? How do you wedge Nikki into this whole thing as well? 
maybe a triple threat at Hell in the Cell. What were your thoughts on this segment? Yeah, I liked it. It was very good. And um, I've got to give kudos to Ric Flair. Um, I thought both at Night Champions and also on Raw, um, I mean, his tears um, certainly brought um, some added emotion to uh, the title switch and actually made the title seem more important than it probably is. Um, so that that was good to see, actually. And, uh, yeah, it was time for Page to turn heel. Um, certainly all the signs have been pointing in that direction, not only on the kind of main TV shows, but even on things like Total Divas and um, Tough Enough. Um, she's certainly been showing more of a heel kind of character. Uh, whether that was part of her real-life persona or not, I don't know. But, um, yeah, it was the right time to make that move for her. And, um, you know, I, I'm keen to see Paige go in that direction and be uh, the focal point of um, Charlotte's title reign over the coming weeks. You know, I've, I've talked about how I've not been particularly impressed by Paige. Um, you know, she's somebody who came in with a very uh, lofty uh, reputation and uh, she's not really delivered, um, certainly since she's moved into the main roster. And um, her work has certainly paled in comparison to the likes of Sasha Banks and Charlotte and even Bailey um, in terms of what they've done on NXT. So if she is going to be the main um, adversary for Charlotte in the next few weeks, this is really her time to show what she, she has and what she can do. And if we continue to see, uh, you know, average performances from her, and if uh, Charlotte can't have good matches with her, then, um, you know, that certainly isn't good for uh, Paige and, and her kind of long-term career in the WWE um, in terms of being prominent on the roster because uh, um, that, that's something that, you know, she really needs to show now. She needs to show that she can go. And uh, Charlotte has shown that. Sasha Banks has shown that. Bailey has shown that. So let's see what you've got, Nick. Uh, let's see what you've got, Paige. Well, uh, Kane drug Seth Rollins to hell to uh, to end the show. He opened the show with with his um, with his impression of Abyss, or at least that's what some people have <laughs> said online. Uh, how similar the um, <laughs> the, the, the storylines are. Uh, one one could argue that Abyss would never exist though if it wouldn't be for mankind, Kane, and the Undertaker all being put together. Um, so, um, you know, the chicken or the egg thing here, but, um, what do you think of, of Kane's split personality? Is this a good thing? Are you interested in this at all? Not really. No. Okay. <laughs> you know, Kane's, Kane's, uh, yeah, I mean, Kane's been there for, you know, 20 years now as, uh, either Isaac Yankum DDS or fake diesel or as Kane, you know, he's been a dependable, solid performer for the WWE for two decades and that's a fantastic accomplishment very few people can claim to have done uh, what he has done in terms of uh, being in that company for so long um, but yeah I mean there's nothing really he can do now that we haven't already seen okay that split personality thing is slightly different um, and perhaps um, to an extent rips off um, Mankind and Mick Foley and uh, Cactus Jack and what we saw in the Attitude Era, but um, really that spot that he's going to have with Rollins over the next few weeks, I'd much rather see that um, with somebody who's got a bit more to offer. Um, you know, Cesaro, for example, uh, would be a great adversary for Rollins, and I think fans would be much more into a program between those two. And again, uh, seeing Rollins and, uh, and Kane, you know, that's something that particularly. It's quite uninspiring, and uh, I'm sure the fans will react accordingly. What do you think it's going to take to flush out some of the old guard? 
in, in this situation. What do you think is going to have to happen for the Seth Rollins of the world to be main eventing and defending their titles against guys like Cesaro as opposed to guys like Kane? Yeah. So the likes of Kane and um, some of the other older veterans really need to look at the wider interests of the WWE longer term. And I don't think they're particularly doing the, the company any favors by sticking around. I guess it's hard for them. Um, you're part of the wrestling business and you know how difficult it is to go away from it. You know, I was part of it for four years on a very small scale. And, um, you know, I've been gone from it for 13 years now. And um, the times when I miss it. So if you're a wrestler, especially in the WWE, the um, thought of having to be away from that environment um, as frustrating as it can be, um, it, it, there's nothing else like it. I mean, wrestling is so much fun to be a part of and um, to be away from it, to withdraw yourself um, voluntarily, it must be a very, very difficult thing to do. So I can understand why the likes of Kane um, and some of the older veterans um, particularly are keen to stay around as long as possible. But, um, you know, I, I think that, now, it's in the interest of the company longer term um, if those guys certainly phase themselves out. Same with the likes of Big Show. I mean, Big Show has done everything he can possibly think of in that company. You know, he's been um, a monster. He's been, you know, a blubbering, um, you know, bankrupt uh, person. You know, he's been everything in between. And, um, you know, that's another guy who I'm really just, pretty tired of to be honest he's not really doing anything for me i can't think of any scenario that he can come up with now where i take any real interest in what he's got to do and you know it's sad to you know to say that but that's that's the nature of wrestling business and that's the nature of entertainment that you know as a, a character whether you're in the movies or if you're in you know something like csi you know you've got to keep yourself fresh and keep yourself interesting to the audience and if you can't be that then uh, perhaps it's time to to move on, um, but that's the difficulty. Those people love what they do, and they don't want to leave. So, the WWE perhaps has to make that decision for them. But then they have loyalty to the likes of Kane, to the likes of Big Show, because they've been loyal servants and have done very good business for them, and um, you know made the money. So it's difficult. But um, you know, promoters in the past were very ruthless, and Vince McMahon indeed has been very ruthless at times. And um, some of the biggest success that he's had was when he made wholesale changes and um, uh, really built the company on new talent that came through. When Hogan first emerged, um, all the old guards, you know, Pedro Morales and Bob Backlund, they were all out of the picture come 1984. Fast forward to 1998, you've got Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't have to worry about people like Hogan or the Warrior being there to uh, try and ruin his run. You know, he was there and, you know, somebody who could have ruined his run was Shawn Michaels, but he got injured for four years. Um, and, you know, they had another massive, massive uh, run um, in the Attitude Era. And I think WWE needs to try and do something like that. Again, those big, big moments when their business really turned around um, commercially and creatively was when um, Old Guard seemed to disappear en masse and um, the new talents really emerged. And um, I'd like to see something like that happen, whether it's the old guard admitting that they need to move on or whether it's the likes of Triple H really stamping down his authority and saying, look, yeah, it's time for a big clear out of 
some of the people that have been loyal to us, but it needs to be done. So, yeah, and I mean, and, that, and that's and that's the thing is that um, you know I can't. One thing I will say is that uh, although I I agree that that you know some of these stars, the you know the, the first or the second or even the third incarnation is is great. The twentieth incarnation is not, um, but. I also see the flip side, whereas if I'm in their situation, if I'm in Kane's shoes, if I'm in Big Show's shoes, and I have guaranteed money coming to me, and I have, and I, and I have, and will always have a spot, and, and I think a lot of those guys, it's it's been made clear to them. I'm speculating on this, but but it, it would appear as if it has been made clear to them that they have a place there for as long as they want to have a place there. Then they, they're going to just continue to collect paychecks and um and do whatever is asked of them, and and so I think that's um. That makes it very difficult to shake the tree and get any fruit out of it, uh, because you you have all these guys that that are, are sort of you know standing in the way and um, and and happily so because why would they walk away from uh, from something that's guaranteed? So that's really the um, the, the catch twenty two here. Absolutely, and you know when you consider what their alternative options are, what is there? I mean, None. TNA. I mean, please, please. Um, yeah. You know that's not an option. I mean, uh, and, t- t- uh, TNA will be out of business in a few months. I, I, I really, oh, yeah. I really yeah. do believe that that's that's going to happen. The writing's been on the wall for a while. They're not going to go work Ring of Honor. They're not going to make any money there. Um, you know, other than making some appearances on the indies. I mean, working for. As 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 critical as everybody is of of world wrestling entertainment, that's where everybody who works in this business wants to work. Everybody wants to work for world wrestling entertainment because it's the place where you can make a living. It is the the standard bearer. It's it's and and it has been for a long time. So it's just hard to imagine a situation where somebody that's receiving guaranteed money from there would say, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, you know, there are there have been some examples of it, but you know they've become bittered or embattled uh, in for one reason or another. Uh, in the case of Kane and the Big Show, though, they're they're very happy to to stay where they are. So, uh, and uh, and the world continues to turn. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I think the, these next uh, six months will be very uh, monumental for the WWE longer term because you know WrestleMania. It will be a massive, massive event, more than the usual WrestleMania. It's just because of the venue that it's being run in and um, potential to say, yeah, we've got 100,000 people in attendance here. Um, they need to make it big. And if it's just a tribute to the past rather than using it as a platform to um, set up a glorious future, then it's a real missed opportunity. So. Um, the way they go about booking everything and putting things into place over the next six months will certainly be uh, very um, instrumental in where the company goes um, beyond WrestleMania for the next few years. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, we're going to continue to cover it right here on the Pro Wrestling Index. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Um, Mo, what, what, what do you got? Any, any shameless plugs, any, any cool things you've seen recently you'd like to suggest to the, uh, the listeners? What's up? Well, I've got no plugs this week, but what I have got to say is I listened to uh, the very early part of the show last week um, when it was just you and Brad. Yes. And there were a couple of comments that he made which I really, really found objectionable. Uh, One of which was where he was, I think, saying, and I mean, maybe it was something in my ear, but I thought he said that um, there was nothing particularly good about ECW. 
And, uh, you know, he was talking about the Paul Heyman era ECW, not the WWE brand ECW. Yes. And I thought that was one of the most ridiculous comments I've ever heard in my life. Now, ECW was just an amazing company. So I have got a challenge to Brad Gilmore, and I'd like to welcome him back to the show, and we can have a proper debate and discussion about this, because I really want to get to the bottom of why he thinks that that product was lousy and naff and a load of crap. Wow. So, Brad Gilmore, if you're listening, I want you back on this show next week, and we'll have a chat about this. Wow. Well, there you go. The open challenge has been laid down. Look at this. You're like Cena. You're, you're issuing open challenges right here on the podcast. Absolutely. It's going to be huge. <laughs> it's going to be huge. By the way, um, uh, for, uh, for the folks in the States, um, Donald Trump will be appearing on Stephen Colbert tonight, so um, make sure you tune into that. Uh, the the Donald continues to rise in the polls. Every, I'm telling you, we're doomed. This we 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 are we are doomed in America. <laughs> so when is your president next year? Then um, what are your plans? Are you going to move here to the UK or um, head up north to Canada? Well, actually, I was thinking about submitting my resume uh, for the uh, the soon to be vacant uh, managerial position uh, at Anfield. So um, who knows? You know, there's <laughs> probably be, going to be several actually. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, well, um, listen, everybody, make sure you uh, check out realityofwrestling.com. We're doing big, big things. Uh, we've broken ground on a brand-new 22,000-square-foot facility, which will be the Reality of Wrestling global headquarters where we will be filming television and bringing you a whole new look and feel of the Reality of Wrestling. That is coming very, very soon. We also made our debut here in Houston on the CW39 and who knows, we may even be expanding in the future. So uh, make sure you check out realityofwrestling.com for all that stuff. Also, Brad Gilmore, who uh, will, I believe, answer that open challenge that you've issued him. Uh, he and I do a five-day-a-week podcast called Your Opinion Doesn't Matter. And that's not directed at the listeners. That's directed at Brad because I don't really care about his opinion. But we get into it on the show every day, and you can find out more about that show at opinionpodcast.com so that's pretty much it for this week Mo thank you for joining me next week we're going to get Brad into the studio we may have Dave Hendrick uh, coming on the program as well so uh, could be a really big edition of the Pro Wrestling Index next week oh, that would be great I look forward to it and uh, yes young Brad watch out because I'm coming oh here it comes thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next week right here on the Anfield Index podcast channel 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.